Psalm 77, these are the words of God. To the chief musician, to Jeduthun, a psalm of Asaph. I cried out to God with my voice, to God with my voice, and he gave ear to me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My hand was stretched out in the night without ceasing. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained, and my spirit was overwhelmed, Selah. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I have considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I meditate within my heart. My spirit makes diligent search. Will the Lord cast off forever, and will he be favorable no more? Has his mercy ceased forever? Has his promise failed forevermore? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Selah. And I said, This is my anguish, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will also meditate on all your work and talk of your deeds. Your way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? You are the God who does wonders. You have declared your strength among the peoples. You have with your arm redeemed your people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. Selah. The waters saw you, O God. The waters saw you. They were afraid. The depths also trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies sent out a sound. Your arrows also flashed about. The voice of your thunder was in the whirlwind. The lightnings lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was in the sea, your path in the great waters, and your footsteps were not known. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. So far the reading of God's inspired and inerrant word. Sometimes in our circumstances our flesh will interpret difficulty as uh, an, a suggestion or an implication that God has abandoned us. Uh, but that comes from our flesh. It does not come, obviously, uh, from our faith. Uh, but in those moments where it's not so much the circumstance themselves, uh, but our own uh, misinterpretation, our own unbelief, um, that is telling us, or perhaps even the sense of our own sin, apart from faith in the gospel of Christ, uh, that is telling us that God has abandoned us, uh, it's not the circumstances that bother us so much as the, uh, the distress of what it might mean about God's disposition toward us. Uh, this was, of course, the great theme of the entire book of Job. Uh, the circumstances were dreadful. Uh, but of the circumstances, he said, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Uh, and yet it was uh, in those days of silence as his uh, thoughts turned over and as we see his thoughts start to come out uh, in his various speeches throughout the book, uh, that he uh, wondered if instead of being gracious and merciful and forgiving his sin, that God was actually dealing with him according to his sin, which is God's right although it is not according to God's promise. Uh, and uh, and so uh, 
believers often find themselves in circumstances in which they are in great distress, and especially uh, in the great distress of wondering if God is against them. Uh, and uh, one of the th- first things that this psalm does then uh, is teach us about urgency in prayer. That urgency in prayer is often shown by using our voice. I cried out to God with my voice, and he repeats it, to God with my voice, and he gave ear to me. Now, God can hear when we speak to him with our hearts, uh, but it is good to speak to God uh, with our voice, both that we would address him with the whole man and that we ourselves would confirm even to ourselves that we are uh, engaging with God and uh, laying hold of him, uh, dealing really with him. It's not just uh, God who hears, but we who hear. And when we hear our own voice, we remember that God is greater than we are and that he hears. And we remember that in his word, throughout his word, even in psalms like this very one, he tells us that he listens to the voices of his children. And so he hears not just our heart, but also our voice. And he hears our urgency and he cares about the urgency of it. The summary of the entire psalm is, he gave ear to me. And there's no evidence in the psalm that the situation has been resolved. What's been resolved by the end of the psalm? In what way did God give ear to him? He gave ear to him by turning his attention away from himself and his circumstances and to the God who is listening to the voice, the sound of his voice, who is the same God who has taken his people through similar things, more difficult things before. And there's a big uh, transition there that our translators aren't sure uh, what to do with in verse 10, but we'll get there in a moment. Uh, But if God gives us difficulty to turn our hearts and our voices to him, we shouldn't paper it over easily. We shouldn't whitewash it. We shouldn't say peace, peace, uh, where there is no peace. Uh, one of the one of the things that great distress of heart uh, shows us is that we are not remembering God so much as we ought. We don't know him so well as, he, as we ought. And then we remember that our distress comes in his providence. And so it's not just exposing to us that we don't remember him like we ought or know him like we ought, but it comes in the providence of him who wants to increase our memory of him, of himself, and he wants to increase our knowledge of himself. So that Job ends up doing what? Blessing God. Why? Because before all that stuff happened, his knowledge of God was like a rumor compared to a face-to-face chat after all of that had happened. Uh, And so even the way that verse 1 concludes, and he gave ear to me, Well, in what way did he give ear to you? Did he get you out of the situation? No. He increased my memory of him. He increased my knowledge of him. He shifted the proportion of my focus from what I am feeling and afraid of to what I know about him and can be sure of. Well, this great distress comes in his inability to to sense God's presence. Uh, he is uh, uh, 
in the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My hand was stretched out in the night without ceasing. Uh, you hold my eyelids open. My soul refused to be comforted. Uh, he's thinking about and he's consumed now with uh, how his soul feels. And in this context, when he remembers God, he's troubled. Why? Because God has done all these things for others. But why don't I feel like he's done it for me? And this is helpful because it reminds us that uh, our feelings are not uh, morally neutral. Uh, our feelings are either right or wrong. And he was he was having uh, wrong feelings. Uh, and uh, as he cries out, he asks all of these horrible questions in verses 7 through 9. Questions that thankfully his uh, his conclusion has to be that the answer to those things is no. Will the Lord cast off forever? No. Will he be favorable? No. Of course not. Has his mercy ceased forever? No. Has his promise failed forever? Just think about the promise of God falling forever. Has God forgotten? You already say no. And then to be gracious, of course not. Has he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Okay, so at first, his soul is refusing to be comforted. It's like when you when you come to someone who uh, may not be a mature believer, and the memory of who God is and what He has done is is little comfort to them, because their focus is so much on themselves and their circumstances that facts about God don't matter so much as feelings that they have in the moment. And whatever you say about what God has done for His people in the past. And what God, uh, it, whether in the Bible or in history or, or in you know, anecdotes that you can give them from your own life or other people's lives, it just bothers them more because he's not doing that for me. Is how they feel about it. And the fact of the matter is, even believers like Asaph here fall into thinking and feeling that way. And so it's actually a mercy of God, isn't it? While he's so focused on his own feelings. That God didn't let the distress go away easily. So that that, uh, that weakness in his soul, that, uh, that area that he still needed to grow in sanctification and holiness would be exposed. Uh, in fact, he starts crying aloud with his voice in verse 1, but he gets to the point uh, in verse 4 that he's unable to speak anymore. He remembers when he used to sing, and it's probably not a, the the song of wailing uh, in verse uh, verse six. He remembers nights when he was doing the right thing, when he had a, a he wasn't able to fall asleep for whatever reason, and it just gave opportunity to be like Paul and Silas in the jail, singing the praises of God, maybe even psalms that had already been written. But that just bothers him more because this night is not like those, those nights. And we should be prepared then or anticipate uh, if we have evidence in the Psalms of those who have had periods of their walk with the Lord that have been sweet and close and fellowship. And if you're laying on your bed and you're not falling asleep, you uh, sing the praise of God, thankful for his mercy during the day, anticipating another day of mercy tomorrow the way we all want to be when we're falling asleep, the way we pray 
uh, at the end of the day together, that God would help us to fall asleep. But sometimes the Lord takes those who have gone through healthy and happy seasons like that, through dark and difficult seasons, depressed seasons, seasons in which if they give lip to what their souls are really saying, ask dreadful questions like verses 7 through 9. And yet, it's so uh, it's so dreadful, so painful, uh, that you can't continue that way. And that's the transition uh, in verse 10. I said, this is my anguish. And then the, the translators add, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. So, uh, there's a choice here. Either... I focus on myself and my experience in which right now for him there is just pain. Or I focus on the Most High. And what does he have? He has the the years of his right hand. And so there's eternality and there's power there. Uh, And uh, he remembers that, um, first of all, uh, God's work is right on schedule. Uh, and the end of that work is already determined. Uh, and second of all, uh, he is not struggling uh, with my circumstances the way I am struggling with my circumstances. Uh, they are not just the years of the Most High. They are the years of the right hand of the Most High. And he remembers things like the flood. And he remembers things like the Red Sea. And he remembers even the dreadful storms and earthquakes. Uh, And, uh, well, not earthquakes here. Um, The depths are trembling. He remembers the dreadful storm that did what? Well, it raised Noah's ark and Noah and his family in it, up above the death and destruction. The storm saved Noah, the one that killed the rest of the world. And he remembers even the strong east wind, uh, which almost certainly wasn't just a wind. It was a great storm, so great, that when storm meets sea, that storm won. And God used it to to create a path in the midst of the sea. The people of God couldn't see that path beforehand. What could they see? They could see that they were pinned with the entire Egyptian army on uh, on the one side and a sea of death on the other side. How will God get me out of this? You don't actually need to know the answer to that question. God knows the answer to that question. And sometimes God's, if I could say it reverently, GPS is set to go straight across the sea. That's where his path was. And he led his people like a flock, uh, a flock of sheep, not you know, antelopes being hunted by lion on a planet Earth or something like that. He was taking care of his people the whole time. Uh, and so uh, we remember that God's, uh, God's time, his length, eternality, is too long for us to appreciate his power is too great uh, for us to estimate. Uh, We can't know 
the the greatness of his power. Nothing is too hard for him, and his ways are too wise, too complex for us to evaluate. We can't analyze uh, how things are going to go because those things are known to God. Uh, and so when he turns his attention from himself, the anguish that he has to who the Lord is, the works of the Lord, verse 11, the wonders of the Lord, verse 11, determined to meditate, to tell himself now, not complaining of his current circumstances, but to speak to himself of what God has done before. And God's way is holiness. And who is so great as God? He is the God who does wonders. Well, if he is the God who does wonders, then is it any wonder that he would put you in a situation that if he gets you out of it, it would be a wonder? For God to do wonders, he uh, one, one of the things that he does for his people is he brings us through situations in which it's wonderful that he carried us through it. You don't have the wonder of the crossing of the Red Sea, do you? Unless you have a people who are pinned. And the people who are pinned and in the middle of the night, before they wake up in the morning and there's that path in front of them through the sea to be led like a flock, now they have the Egyptian army in front of them, they have the Red Sea behind them, and they have one of the worst storms that uh, that has ever been on earth above them. And God uses that to save them. And so when you start meditating on who God is and what he has done, and then, of course, the greatest wonder of all, the wonder of God becoming a man, the wonder of God himself suffering wrath in the person of Jesus Christ, on the cross, the wonder of the resurrection, the wonder of the ascension, the wonder that human flesh sits on the throne of glory, the wonder that the sky will open again one day, and our Lord will appear, returning in judgment. You see, future wonders are as certain with God as past wonders. Sometimes the only thing that we perceive of God in our circumstances is that he hears our voice and that we have his word. And we're unable to see any other good thing because all of the data of the situation feels dreadful to us. But still, he hears our voice and we have his word. And one of the ways he answers is by directing us back to his word so that we will remember his wonders, so that we will remember his works. And instead of saying, what situation was so horrible as my situation? Sure, God did all of those other things for all those other people. But this is what he's doing to me. We don't say, what situation is so bad as our situation? We say, who is so great a God? as our God. And sometimes that's all we have. But all the time, that's all we need. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, please help us. Uh, I read a psalm like this, and I realize how comfortable and easy your providence has been with us so far, and yet 
knowing that you are good to us and that bringing your people through situations like this is one of the ways in which you are good to us. I tremble to think uh, about where we are spiritually and uh, our ability to direct our attention from ourselves and to you. Pray that your Spirit would give us that habit, that discipline of meditating upon your Word and who you are, what you have done, the greatness of those things, the greatness of what you will do, the greatness of what you are doing. Grant to us, we pray, that that habit of thinking and re- upon and remembering you in the midst of our circumstances, uh, lest when the time comes, uh, we not have uh, the ability to uh, cry out with our voice and reach out to you until we can't talk, to come to the moment of crisis where our focus on ourselves is so painful uh, that we would then uh, of necessity turn to remembering you instead. O Lord, give to us what we need, uh, that we would be able to make that turn by your grace when we come to it. And when we come to a situation like that, give us what we need then. uh, And don't let us be those who continue down into despair. And so we pray that you would give us real faith in you, in in um, uh, in Christ, that we would live uh, by that faith. Bless to us the the psalm. We pray. Uh, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.